0: Welcome back to episode number 10 of Metro Talks. We hope you all enjoyed this past beautiful 4th of July weekend, hopefully by the beach or even poolside. And for those who might be riddled by injury or working hard through their rehab process, just know that we are always here for you. And we've got a great one in store for you today. I'm sure you have known someone, or maybe even yourself, who has suffered from an ACL or just a general knee injury in the past. And as you know, these injuries can take a good amount of time and rehabilitation work to recover from. Our talk today covers some specific questions many might have about the severity of an ACL injury, as well as the different approaches taken within the recovery process. Today we have with us, Sammy Benyman, who is one of our Selden location physical therapists. He has been in practice for 13 years and is soon to be the clinic director for our new Smithtown location, opening in September. He has extensive training with orthopedic, sports, and neurological conditions, affecting the general and athletic population with a specialty in orthopedic post-operative surgery rehabilitation. So with that being said, I know the topic today we're going to be speaking about is ACL injuries. So Sammy, why don't you start with us uh, just filling us in on what is the ACL and where it is located in the
1: body? Thanks guys for having me on. Um, Basically the ACL, or the anterior cruciate ligament, is in the middle of the knee and it prevents the uh, shin bone, which is the tibia, from sliding out in front of the thigh bone, the femur. So it gives you a little bit of, a little bit of stability um, when you're cutting or uh, when you're transitioning descending. Um, so it's it's a very important ligament uh, for athletes uh, and active people to have.
2: So in your experience, when people come to you with uh, you know this injury, what are the most the uh, common occurrences of the injury? what is the mechanism of injury that
1: that you most typically see? So mo- most. Uh, ACL injuries uh, occur actually without physical contact between athletes, um, and we call this n- uh, non-contact ACL injuries. And um, the mechanism of injury is, is really uh, a sudden deceleration or um, or some kind of a landing with a pivoting movement. Um, and generally, females have it. It's a higher incidence that happens in uh, female athletes than male athletes. Um, there haven't been too many studies of why um i've been trying to figure this out myself um i think it has something possibly to do with the, the shape of a, a female pelvis versus a, a male's pelvis uh mm-hmm. female pelvis is tend to be wider so it puts a little bit of an angle on the um, on the femur so structurally it could that could be why this this happens in females, but again, it's hasn't been founded. Um, just a the theory I have.
0: Yeah, that's a uh, that's an interesting point. I know we were um, researching an article too, which we will have linked in the show notes as well, uh, relating to that regarding female athletes. Um, so, even just speaking on athletes in general, uh, are there any sports specifically that you see might be more prone to an ACL injury? You know, basketball, soccer, football. I uh, know those are some common ones
1: yeah and, and like i said any sports injuries involving uh jumping pivoting sudden acceleration um generally it happens in uh, football uh, female basketball male basketball female soccer uh, male soccer uh, volleyball male and female um and generally just uh females for whatever reason are very prone their uh, to their counterpart to the males of uh, Getting it, and in my experience working with professional—I'm sorry, not professional—collegiate athletes um, at Dowling, uh, I had a higher incident of the female athletes there um, getting hurt throughout the years versus the males.
0: Yeah, so, that's interesting. So it seems like it's a lot more of those, you know, cutting sports where you're putting a lot of pressure
1: on, you know, the knee mm-hmm. and leg there. Yeah, and they tend to be. It, sometimes there there's no incident there's no contact incident. it's just the way the uh, athlete either lands or, or decelerates or accelerates or pivots so. so
2: with with that in mind um I'm assuming it's not a one size fits all sort of thing when it comes to the injury. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the levels of
1: of injury that you've seen with with these a c l injuries Yeah um in my experience, most people sprain their a c l due to repetitive stresses placed on it, um, on the ligament itself. And throughout their career, uh, athletic career, um, they're constantly stressing that ligament. And then um, the the last stress they put, it, it finally tears the ligament. And um, that's what generally happens. Uh, it, it's not a one-shot thing. I think it's a progressive thing. Um, I think it's constant um, stress is put on through years, um, especially now because a lot of athletes have gone away from playing three sports to playing just a single sport throughout the year. So your, your, your ligaments don't have, or your body, I should say, doesn't have a rest. So it's constantly being stressed over and over and over for months on end. So it doesn't really um, have time to kind of recover. And um, generally, there are three grades of ACL tears. Um, a grade one injury um, includes uh, mild, mild, very mild damage um, where the ACL is kind of stretched. Um, a grade two injuries are rare, um, but they are partially, basically they're partially torn. So they're still intact, but there's a little bit of tear in them. And a grade three is a complete um, uh, rupture where the ACL is not providing any stability at the knee at all. So just I just
2: want to maybe backtrack for just a quick second. Um, maybe some viewers might have this question too. Um, so I would assume you would know if you tore the ligament, that has to be fairly painful. But what are some, you mentioned that it starts sort of as a sprain, uh, you know over many years with continuous loading So what are some like kind of warning signs that a person who may be doing one activity or one sport? What what is a maybe a way that they would feel? Uh, leading up to that that t- Total tear uh, to let them know that hey, they're putting a lot of a stress on that on that ligament
1: So the warning signs are having a deep or medial knee pain so it's not unstable it's very it feels like a deep deep dull ache mm-hmm. um that's where it generally starts to feel it. and then it goes away and it comes back and it goes away it comes back and it goes away so people that are constantly uh stressing that area of their body they'll have those um symptoms for uh a spring so what will happen is they'll eventually um start getting worried, they'll call their physician, their physician will send them to an ortho, Um, and they may take an MRI or an x-ray, and and they'll take it from there, you know, and then uh, they'll take an MRI and they'll say, yeah, it's torn or it's sprained, so, and they also have some swelling, too. So, those are some of the warning signs. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of viewers at home
2: might be dealing with some of these things, and maybe it might be time to get that checked out before it gets to the point where it does tear. Um, so, when it does tear, I've noticed sometimes, and there's actually one example that comes to mind. Um, so, how come when an athlete does have a, a full rupture, some are able to get up and, and walk off right away, and others are on the ground? You can see they're just writhing in pain. Um, what, wh- how, like, what, what? is the difference in, in the, the way it tears? Is that what allows an athlete to get up? I remember a couple of years back, if you watch basketball Clay Thompson um, in the NBA finals, he completely tore his ACL and he got up, he walked back into the tunnel and then actually came back out into the game and shot his free throws uh, before yeah. leaving. So how is that possible? As how is that
1: possible? Yeah. There at all. Yeah. So it really depends on the mechanism of injury. He could have had a grade two. He could have had a partial tear um, that finally tore and mm-hmm. turned into a grade three. Um, he could have had very strong legs that were supporting him. Uh, he could have been having a lot of adrenaline through the game. You know, mm-hmm. you, you hear this all the time: athletes or or even just regular people. You know, they're adrenaline kicking and they feel no pain. You know, that that's also a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, some have high a uh, uh, low tolerance to pain, meaning um, he could have sprained it. And he would have been agony, you know, versus the other end, you have a high tolerance for pain and you could have a great three lecture and be like, yeah, I'm fine. You know, so it it really depends. Mm.
2: So you don't need um, as important as the ACL is to stabilize, you know, the the knee joint. You can technically have it rupture and and still bear
1: weight and and be able to to walk around. So um, at the moment, like if you're in a game like that, it's possible. Um, The next day you may not be. Okay. You know, oh. once your adrenaline kind of um, uh, goes away, um, and your pain receptors are like, "Hey, there's something wrong here," you know, the next day you may not be, but in the moment, it's possible. Hmm. It's possible. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. I actually
0: had a uh, a friend recently who was playing playing pickup football, and uh, you know, he cut the wrong way and he felt some knee pain, but uh, he didn't think it was too severe. And then he followed up with the doctor. It was like a week later. He ended up working. And a week later, he went to the doctor and found out it was torn. You know, it was a partial tear. It wasn't too serious. But like you said, that was a pretty good example of someone who didn't think it was torn or didn't know how severe it was. And then they find out that it is torn. So that's interesting. Um, so just moving forward this, this, uh, after a person does injure their ACL, uh, what can they expect? Is surgery always necessary?
1: So surgery isn't always necessary. Um When it first happens, they can expect uh, edema, which is swelling, inflammation. Um, They're going to have a little bit of less ability to bear weight on the injured area. They're going to have less strength. Um, Their balance is going to be affected. Um, Their knee is going to be a little bit unstable. Um, They're going to have diminished range of motion. Um, They're going to have pain with stairs and and, um, walking. Um, like I said, surgery isn't always necessary. Uh, it really depends on the age of the person, um, the activity level. Um, most surgeons don't really operate on torn ACLs of older adults. Um, there's a guideline of 45 and older; they won't really do it. Um, and most most people uh, they generally perform it on are athletes, younger people, and people that are that have high level activities. If they're uh, skiers um, in their thirties or early forties, they'll do it. But generally, it's the uh, athletic population that they they really do the surgery on.
0: That's interesting. I've heard that before. Why is it that you think that uh, the older population they you know might tend to not operate on them? Uh, I know you said like forty five and older. Is that just because you know the stigma that you're older? You can kind of just get through it and not put as much pressure on it since you're moving less or you know, I know you said athletes; they're definitely going to want to operate on it um, yeah. because they're it going to put more pressure on it.
1: So it's not so much that they're older people and they they don't need an ACL. It's just that that surge that the purpose of the ACL is to give you stability for descending, uh, pivoting, jumping motions. And uh, the older population, I'm really doing that unless they're. If they tell the doc, "Listen, I'm a high level uh, uh, athlete still. I'm in my mid 40s i will take an exception, but generally, mm-hmm. in your fifties and sixties, you're not doing those things. You know, um, you may be doing slow pitch baseball, or you know, you're doing light jogs, or mm-hmm. you know, doing things like that. But you're not doing what you were doing right. in your twenties. Um, and that was, most more surgeons don't want the ACL; they want the the surgery to be. Um, Um, Successful. So, research has shown the general, the younger population does well with it. So, less chance of a failure.
2: Okay. I think that's interesting. I think that's kind of what I was alluding to before um, that it's just fascinating that as important as it is structurally to the knee, uh, you really don't, it could rupture and you could realistically live a normal life, um, assuming you're not a high level athlete and and still be able to walk around and, and, you know, have normal function without it. So I think that's pretty interesting um, from that perspective. So, okay, we've talked a little bit about how, how you get injured and, and now the options after the injury, sometimes surgery, sometimes it doesn't get repaired. So I would imagine that physical therapy either way, whether it was operated on or not, is going to be a very important and crucial step to a person's recovery. So if a person came to you post-operatively, or if the surgeon you know, decided not to have the operation, what would a rehab program look like for someone coming to physical therapy for an
1: ACL, um, either operation or just recovery? Yeah, so most surgeons like to do what's called prehab. So if they're going to do an operation, they like to get the uh, knee as strong as possible, as flexed as possible, um, so that when they do the operation, the patient has a better recovery. Okay, mm-hmm. um, if the surgeon decides, you know what, this patient isn't going, it's not a candidate for an ACL repair, you're still going to send them just to reduce the inflammation, the edema, to get the range back, to get some of their uh, strength back, quad control, things like that nature. So either either case, like you said, um, there's going to be some kind of either prehab. And surgery and that post or the um, or or the patient is just going to go and just do prehab, and that's it. No surgery for them. So it really depends on the age. Uh, what why why are they doing the surgery? Um, some surgeons like to use protocols they have in place, um, which the treating therapist uses, and this is just a guideline for them. And then, and then the therapist will focus, like I said, on restoring the range, strength, balance. Uh, increase the tolerance to walking, stair negotiations, and then we generally progress the patient to a high-level activity over time, mm. uh, such as jogging, running, um, and, and, and specific uh, sports-related tasks, such as um, accelerating, decelerating, pivoting, and shifting. And what's great about uh, Metro, you know, we have a pool, so the pool is fantastic for athletes because it they can do things with. Uh, gravity being a little bit, uh, not a factor. You know, we're in the pool, you're a little buoyant so you can move a little better um, with less uh, weight bearing into your uh, joints. So um, that's one of the main attractions for me to come to Metro. Um, The aquatic program is fantastic. So. So if a person
2: were, I'm sure this varies as well, again, based on, you know, the severity of the injury and what actually went into repairing it. Um, but if someone comes to you for therapy, roughly how long is the typical recovery process?
1: so there's a there's a range. Um, it can go anywhere between sixteen and twenty weeks. Um, some may a little longer, some may need need a little less. Um, it really depends what we're gearing the patient for. Um, if they're a high level act, act, uh, division one athlete or two athlete, if they're training for a sp- specific sport, they may need a little bit longer. If um, they're just a general population, they may do less, so it really depends.
0: Okay, and I know you spoke about, you know, kind of getting back to things after rehab is over, Um, but again, once that does end, what is the likelihood of re-injury? We've heard in the past that the other leg might be more susceptible to an ACL injury or just
1: an knee injury in general. Um, Is there any truth to this at all? Re-injuring is, I would say, is low as long as the patient adheres to the protocol uh, and complete their rehab program um and then once they're done, they got to use their uh sports brace um you know i have used donjoy's in the past they're great um so I, as long as you know you you listen to your doctor, your therapist, you do your rehab, and you do smart things you'll be fine. if you <laughs> i don't know, if you if you don't listen too good, then you're going to learn the concert lesson <laughs> so, and that it, it has happened you know it, it's not to say that it doesn't happen um I don't want people to get a false sense that once the ACL is repaired, that they're undestructible, you know, um, sometimes they fail and they have to go in and do it again, but you have to be smart and you got to listen to your profession, uh, professionals and do the smart thing.
2: So I know John, John touched on it. Um, I'm not sure if you got to it, but I I have heard in the past that if you repair one knee, uh, the other knee is, more susceptible to injury after the fact is there truth to that
1: if you injure one knee can the other knee be not, not necessarily no um, i don't in my experience i don't think so um, could the other knee then affected by something else uh that's possible but i don't think because you did the right one then the left one's going to fail no okay yeah. so
2: um not everyone listening has experienced an ACL injury, fortunately enough. Um, so for patients who have never been affected by this and, and don't want to be, uh, what can they do in terms of strengthening and stretching uh, to prevent this from ever happening to them?
1: Okay, if you're um, an athlete, either in uh, high school or collegiate level or even professional, you know, you gotta do your strength and conditioning. Uh, you gotta listen to your, um, your coaches, and you got to just strengthen your lower extremity, stretch as much as you can. And you need really, this is the big thing. I think you got to give your body a break. You know, you can't. The worst thing you can do is play soccer all year round. Mm-hmm. You know, the um, year round single sport, it, it really stresses your joints. So if you're not giving yourself some, even the professional athletes, if you look at it, they don't play all year round, right? They have a season. Mm-hmm. And then they take some time off, and then um, they start training again. But they're not playing, you know, 365 days out of the year. They're not playing the same sport. Right, right. You know, they have a season that lasts anywhere between, I don't know, 12, 16 weeks. And then their body, they need a break. They take a break, right? And then they recondition. Mm-hmm. And I think some of the uh, some of the younger athletes, because college is getting so competitive, and they need an edge, they I don't know why, but they feel like they need to practice and practice and play and play all year round and they're getting that injury. So,
2: mm-hmm. so you mentioned strength yeah. and conditioning, um, you know, as a big primary important part of it. What are some muscles or or you know, obviously I would imagine the musculature around the knee would be the most critical. What are some of the muscles that a person should maybe focus on strengthening, uh prioritizing, strengthening, if any? Okay, so
1: yeah, I, I generally yeah, you know, I generally test the athlete or, or, or the patient. Um, we see where they're weak at. Um, believe it or not, a lot of people are weak in their hamstrings, okay? Not only are they weak, but they're also tight. So um, we work on lengthening the hamstrings, strengthening it, uh, obviously the quadriceps, uh, but also into the hip. Um, you got to strengthen your glutes, glute med, max, min. Um, core stability exercises um, also have shown that if you have a strong core, you balance a little better. So it puts a little less stress onto the knee. Um, and then we work on plyometrics. We work on jumping skills, uh, decelerating, uh, uh, accelerating, um, pivotal changes. So we work on a, on a variety of different things. And you got to look at the body as a 360-degree angle. You know, it, it's not a single joint. Your body is not a single joint. Yeah, your knee is, pivots. Uh, sorry, your knee is a hinge joint, but your whole body works as a unit. So there's a lot of different things that goes into it, um, and it, it's hard for, for me to say, you know, that there's no one like uh, recipe to treat everybody, right? Mm-hmm. So some people lack um, strength and flexibility in different areas. So it's hard for me to give you a cookie cutter uh, format. Follow. Um, that's why it's really important to see your professional, and they'll evaluate you and, and tell you where um, your weaknesses are, or your um, lack of uh, flexibility is, or, or and or things that you can work on. So it really depends. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a good point. You know, sticking with the the
0: balance and stability side of things for like uh, preventative measures. Uh, I've seen NBA star. A Ron James. I've seen other people, you know, on, on TV before games doing balance and stability work on the half Bosu ball or a balance pad too. Uh, really, just like we said, I know basketball is a very easy sport. You know, more susceptible than other sports to have an ACL tear. Is this something that you like? You know, kind of the, the balance and stability work for, for ACL
1: care. Oh, one hundred percent. I mean, uh, a majority of what we do is balance and stability, right? If you're walking, you're basically when we walk, we're trying not to fall that's what we're doing right and if you ever seen a baby what does a baby do when it starts to walk falls right over it falls right over He, right over. he <laughs> has no balance or stability you know <laughs> so he hasn't learned how to use his core stability muscles yet right so um, so that yeah that's exactly what we do we worked on all those high-level things so okay all right great
0: well uh, I think that covers most of it here for us um, Thanks for joining us today, Sammy. I know you're in between patients right now in the Selden Clinic. Uh, if if anyone did have any questions for you or want to reach out to you at all, uh, what would be the best way to get in touch with you? I know you also have uh, an Instagram too, your own handle, that you post some uh, some quality content on as well if you want to share that yeah. with us.
1: So my, my Instagram is really easy. It's called uh, Sammy Metro PT. Um, I just put like um, stretches of the day or contents that, you know, patients would like to see. Um, I'm currently at our Selden location. Um, the number here is six three one seven three two nine zero four six. um my email is sbenyamin at metropt com. And um we're also like like John said and Matt said we're um excited to open our new location in Smithtown um uh, in September. Uh, I'll be the director there. Uh, it's right on Main Street across from L.A. Fitness. So um, hopefully we'll have some kind of open, opening ceremony, like maybe an open house, something mm-hmm. of that nature, and um, please come.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as always, we'll have uh, Sammy's info linked in our show notes at the end there too. So if you want to check him out or get in touch with him, feel free. And uh, as always, Sammy, thanks Thanks for being with us. Uh, we look to have, forward to having you on uh, sometime down the road again.
1: Great. Thanks. Thanks for uh, having us, having me on show, Thank you. Thanks, Amy. All right.